I guess what makes a good scene is inclusiveness, where everybody feels comfortable being themselves, playing what they wrote, taking their emotions or the, whatever and putting it out there and everyone being relatively accepting of that, which I think this town does very well. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have Aaron Short from the band. Now, this is the thing. Is it, it's, it's Bashful Youngins. It's not the Bashful Youngins. No, it's Youngins. the Bashful Oh, it Youngins. is. Okay. Yep. See, this is the thing is so many times I've been like, oh, it's the whatever. And they're like, no, 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 it's just this. Aaron, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So today we're going to be listening to your song, Tennessee, off of the album Inflorescent. And so, without further ado, let's listen to the song. Okay.
Welcome back. So my first and favorite question to always ask is, what came first? Was it the words or was it the music? The music. That's been the case for, I think, most songs that I've started or written. I was big into Tallest Man on Earth at the time. A lot of his songs are in that open C tuning. And so I started doing that. Uh, one, to learn one of his songs, The King of Spain. And then I just kind of started messing around in that tuning and I moved the capo up and down and then I finally settled on, I don't even remember when it popped into my head or when, I think it just happened by accident, started playing that that oh. intro, that doon, 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 and then put the rest of the song together that way and then lyrics followed. So it's based on an open C tuning and then you move the capo around. Was the original placement of the capo where it ended up in the final product? You ended up in the key of E flat. And I was picturing, I'm like, okay, so he probably has his capo on the third fret yep. on the standard tuning. Yeah, it's on the third fret. I think it started on the two, but because that's tuned down so low when you're in open C, yeah. it caused a lot of rattle on the strings on the fretboard. So I just like moved it up to three and I'm like, okay, it's gone now. So I'll leave it here and then build everything else around it. That seems like kind of an arbitrary decision, but I could totally understand that like functionally you would need to have it... But for me, I'm just like, oh, I, I can't sing up that high. So I'm just like, scoot down. I find that really fascinating. Like that just goes to show kind of your flexibility and range in your voice and, and also, you know, carries as well. You started off with that riff in the beginning that we hear. And then like, where did it go from there? Were you doing the chorus line or were you doing, of course, when I say chorus, I mean the, oh, my love. Can we move on? Mm-hmm. I'm putting a pin in that being the chorus because yeah, I name things the, the wrong thing sometimes. So yeah. no, that's um, the chorus. You had the riff, but then where did it move from there? With the exception of a few, anytime I write a song, it's a riff and a chord progression, and then I put it down, and then I get stuck coming back to it, and that's what kind of happened with this one. So I had the chord progression and no chorus or anything like i mean it's all the same you know the same chords the the whole way through for the most part just because that open tuning you can make them sound like they're a little bit different we were getting ready to record this album and it hadn't been finished yet so carrie and i sat down and we were like let's structure it a little bit better and we did but we still didn't really have the melody or anything for the chorus or the verses so i think i sat in my room at one point and figured all that out and just kind of like humming it along and that's actually how the chorus lyrics came to be because I was just like, you know, like, uh, and then so I just fit words into what I was hearing for like the melody of that. And that kind of became that portion of it. But then once I had the melody for the verses and the choruses, we sat down and just kind of hammered out some lyrics. Looking at this from a narrative perspective, I always have that first inclination was this based on a real experience or is this based on an imagined experience and like you know i don't have to go into too much detail but what is this based on a a real experience loosely because in 2015 right before we released our first album carrie got a job offer in tennessee and franklin near nashville and i got a job offer in nashville and we were gonna go there Personal things happened and life, all that. So uh, neither of us ended up going, but that was kind of the uh, pin that I was thinking of when starting the lyrics. And then we sat down and kind of, you know, here's a lyric. And then she's like, okay, well, what about this lyric here? And I'm like, yep, that fits perfect. And we just keep going. 
Wow. So yeah, this it's funny because, you know, I I kept thinking about it as being well, honestly, I didn't know. I didn't know if it was you were leaving Tennessee and also is this just happening over a long period of time or is this happening like in one night where you're being reflective back on oh, this is what brought me to this point right here. There's like I mean, honestly, your first I guess I want to say first two line which is as I leave now is there any way you'd follow me out wondering about something where it's like, is is there still a chance to salvage this at all? And there's so many ways that when you go to the chorus the first time and, oh, uh, my love, can we move on? Are you talking about like you both separating and moving on from each other? Or can we just like get rid of it? Can we resolve what the issue is? And then both of us move on together. So I, I'm kind of curious, like, because it seems like that's kind of a part of the decision with the new information that I have <laughs> that that this is is something about you know uh, as part of the decision to move to Tennessee or not move to Tennessee that part was in my head I was thinking of that because it had just happened and it wasn't like a big deal or anything but it was in my head because you know w- once you're in a place for a while and like what if that would have happened instead and so that was just the base I can build something off this and then the rest is just the human experience I guess of what if and not so much in like a relationship or any sort of sense like that but you know why can't things work out certain ways but also like because that's just how it is I know that's probably a very vague explanation but there is one line that i thought was really interesting because i don't know if you meant it this way or if you or carrie meant it this way but there's a certain resolve about the line of and a memory of us buried somewhere down in tennessee because i think about when i first moved out here to my house that i'm living at now um i'm like this is the house i'm gonna die in you know what i mean like and i kind of wonder if that was kind of the intention in that line of like well let's let's move down and and make this a permanent thing or i don't know if that was kind yeah. of the intention on that but kind of like uh it didn't happen type of thing like we weren't able to go and see what was going to happen down there kind of that alternate universe like there's a memory of us buried somewhere down in tennessee that never happened yeah after the second verse where it goes into the solo and you have some nice slide guitar in there and you have the, like some of these other instrumental parts that come in and like make their voice it it seems very cheerful until there's like that the 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 melody that goes through there is kind of i don't know i think of it as sad that was just the sense of how i was writing lyrically then when i started writing songs like the artists I was listening to at the time I was listening to a lot of Ryan Adams and like Jason Isbell mm-hmm. and those just like sad like Sharon Van Etten just those sad like songwriters yeah. and I'm like this is me this is what I'm gonna do when I started doing the intro for that the guitar riff and the chord progression and the melody and everything cemented for that song it was like okay this is one of those songs where the music is gonna drive the entire song because mm-hmm. it's catchy hook and everything's like working together melodically and here's what i have in my head to write for lyrics here's what carrie has that she was throwing in lyrically as well and it just kind of maybe the lyrics don't fit the ambiance of the song or the music per se if i were to characterize the bashful youngins 
music. There's this really beautiful, happy kind of tone about things and beautiful harmonies. But at the same time, like the lyrics are talking about how shitty this town is or or like <laughs> basically these things that we all in a sense lament or that we feel like stuck or we feel like inescapable. I appreciate that a lot about the Bashful Young and it feels real. Again, I think we were so green at songwriting and you know, probably still are, but all you really have to go off is early 20s or mid 20s like emotions, whatever that means, and then what you're listening to at the time and at the time you know both of us were listening to artists that are you know in a beautiful way can convey like the sadness to where it doesn't make you feel sad listening to it but in a weird way makes you happier because they were able to articulate it so perfectly or beautifully that's kind of what we were trying to emulate i guess at this point i'm guessing the acoustic is is out there you have lyrics set to this um, maybe the mandolin has come in or describe a little bit about, you know, how that came about. We still had that studio space in Danville that we could use. And with the band that we had at the time, which was Stefan Johnson on drums, Mitchell Killo on bass and Matt Chup on lead guitar, we got into that space in Danville just to demo all the songs and kind of in two nights it was just like here's our songs like here's what we have in our head for each of your parts Mm. otherwise like do what you want to do with them and make them your own and that's kind of just how it went and so we demoed them gave them to James Trichler ended up in Earth Analog for two days recording guitars and drums and bass. Matt Chup, our guitarist, had the, uh, now I can't remember, the Space Echo. Chup's eyes lit up when he saw it, and he's like, can I use this? And James, yeah, you can use whatever you want in this studio. So I don't know if it's on Tennessee or not, but it's, I think it's on another one, or another couple one of those. But yeah, we went in for two days, knocked out all of the recording of the drums and bass, my acoustic guitars, Carrie's mandolin. To save money, we went back to just James's basement to record vocals. And then James hired out Joe Meland, who was up in Chicago and kind of does this for a lot of people. James will give some sort of direction. Here's kind of what they're looking for. And then he'll record it and send it back to James. And I honestly had no idea that we would ever feature an organ on that album until James was like, you know, just let's hear what he does. And like, if we like it, great. If not, and we loved it. So he did a really good job. I'm seeing more and more of James Trichler's from episode 43, his name showing up on more and more recordings around in this area and i i think you know he he does have a i don't know such a breadth of different music styles and also knows how to get that sound because you know there's some people that they they they're really good at making the sound that they make so even if it's if it's an r&b album it still has that kind of rock edge that they always have or you know so i've been impressed with the albums that i've heard that have been produced or recorded or even engineered and mastered by james trichler He's very focused when he's doing that stuff. Like I look at all of those tracks and everything, all the board and, and like I like get a headache, like a migraine and he's just like calm and cool and like, you know, has like the patience to sit through a mix and not just like want to get through it, but like tell you what he thinks and what he thinks he hears that's not there, what maybe is there that shouldn't be there, and and he can do it with any genre of music, as you were saying. I love the line of, I can see it, your eyes, yeah, my whole world's all laid out. And and I know that we, we kind of 
touched on the fact that it's really not necessarily about a relationship, but just like maybe you've created an image of someone that has all your future, has all the things. Is there a part that you really, really like? It's fun to play on guitar. I love hearing Matt's lead guitar parts on it, especially on the solo. That was really fun recording a solo. You know, we're like, lay down what you hear. And then he laid something down and we're like, okay, great. But this... And he's like, yeah, and what about this? Like, yeah, great. And then this, and then like kept layering it or like building it. And that was a lot of fun to do. I love the, the second verse. It's all I fear. So when we do it live, that's my favorite part. Depends on who our band lineup is, but when Brian Hildebrand plays drums with us or whatever instrument, usually drums, he does a third part harmony on that. And it sounds really good when it goes into that. It's one of those like, you're like, oh, yeah, that's it. Like, that's yeah. when all three voices, especially for some reason on the word all, <laughs> it's all and everyone's in there. I don't, that's one of my yeah. favorite parts of it, too. Why was this picked as the first song on the album? I think the way it, it goes, the intro, everything is just like a good way to like start an album okay. with just like this upbeat, like that guitar. The That's definitely the most upbeat song on that record, I would say. Oh. So it's just kind of like, keep people listening one of the things that i think is really cool is that stefan johnson's uh drumming did he have to record multiple drum takes are there multiple drums going on or was that like him playing that the whole because there's some, some stuff where i'm like even though it sounds like it's going the dun, 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 there's like these little tripping things like thrown in there i don't fully remember but i do know that james added in auxiliary like percussion after okay. the fact so that might be what you're because there was but... a because that's that's kind of i was like is that possible yeah, yeah and like the the symbol rings james added a lot of that stuff but f from what i remember stefan pretty much just did the mm. the takes of the song and actually the tom rhythm that he had on that because there's a lot of tom on yeah. the on the chorus i think i told him <laughs> This is such an obscure like song to pull from, but Godsmack's Voodoo. What? Okay. Do you remember that song? No, I'm not. I'm not pulling. Like, it's not like it. It seems so left field that I'm like, wait, what? yeah, okay, yeah. There used to be a, a an MTV show called Fear, and it was kind of like a paranormal show, and that was the theme song for it. And I love that show. I love paranormal stuff, so I watched it all the time, and like. I even saw Godsmack when they opened for Metallica in Peoria in like 2004, part of cool. the Sane Anger tour. But that like just came into my head during this course, I think, and I was like, hey, I'm like, like weird question, but you remember the song Voodoo by Godsmack? And he's like, no. And then like, I'm like, well, I like how like the Tom rhythm is on that. Like maybe we can incorporate something like that for the chorus. And he's like, okay. And then like once they listen to it and like we figured it, he's like, Okay, yeah, I, I get it now. I get it now. But that's such a weird that is, song that you... <laughs> huh. My my last question is, so why did you pick this one as your favorite song to talk about? Again, this came out like four and a half years ago. But I never, ever really gotten tired of playing it. I mean, there's a few other songs that I, I don't really get tired of playing either. But, you know, a lot of songs we play them out a lot. They get a little stale sometimes. So you like kind of try to do stuff to make them more fun to play live. But... This one, I don't know. I've never gotten bored playing it. We have never gotten tired of it. We usually always close our sets with this, uh. depending. I mean, we, we've closed it with, with this song more than any other song, I should say. Sometimes we do a cool thing where 
we'll extend it and we'll introduce the band by having them do like solo like two measure oh, yeah. solos like all the way around and that's really fun too and then we go back into like the acapella oh my to close it off and yeah. everyone's just kind of like vibing by that point it's really fun Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Aaron, is there a favorite venue in Champaign-Urbana? Currently or all time? It can be all time. I, I like to leave that up because, you know. Currently, it's got to be the Rose Bowl because that's almost the only one that is around right now. Right. Not even just playing there, but just going there and going to shows. Like, I always had a lot of fun at the High Dive. Always. I love that oh, place. Yeah. And I'm so sad that it's gone. Cowboy Monkey as well. Had a lot of fun in Cowboy Monkey. I kind of missed seeing the great cover up at the high dive. Because I felt uh, like that was such a good, I don't know, maybe it just felt more intimate, even though it wasn't. Yeah, it was was definitely different when it was there. Probably because of the intimacy of it. Everything's like right there. I think just the high dive and all the characteristics of it and the history and all that stuff added into that and yeah just a fun place to go it's been at the city center for a couple of years now right or yeah i know right after high dive or the accord switched hands and stopped having music there it was they they kind of did it at the canopy club and the city center and i played it on one of those sets at the canopy club and that was fun i mean it was a good place to have it um, and city center is too. It's a huge stage, like plenty of room. Like it's really accessible. It, you know. I think it started at the Cowboy Monkey when it was when that was uh, the Blind Pig. Do you have a favorite, not just venue, but like in your memory, and especially since you know musicians haven't been able to perform live and in, in as many venues due to the pandemic. Like, do you have a favorite venue that you? played at or that you had a great show at i mean i'm always down for outside people camping house shows like that like those are always some of my favorites we play um shoe fest in mantino most every year and that's a blast like it's the perfect size festival people are great there's two stages everything like works so well there and it's such a beautiful place and it's so much fun to play did you say that was in mantino mantino oh okay camp shawanasi it's like a kid's summer camp okay and then they use it for this festival every labor day weekend yeah i mean there's been a lot of great shows that we've played around here the the most recent one that was a lot of fun because we had never played it before was the channing murray foundation that we played for the folk and roots festival i had never been inside there 
I know I was supposed to go see the Dodos play there, one of the Pygmalion shows. Like that was amazing. I'm sorry, but 2011 I, I or 2010 one. or something like that. Maybe was before it 12? that. 2012? One of those years. Something like that. And, and now I will interject with my voice later <laughs> saying which one it was, but I think it was 2012. So guess what? Aaron was correct. It was 2011. I, I thought it was the same year, but maybe it's the next year. So maybe I'm talking about 2011. The pomegranates and the antlers and like all... What other... Uh, did Phanagram play that year too? But it was such a good... Sh- like, the Pomegranates were a band I'd never heard of, and they played at the Red Room at Canopy, and I'm like, we were there to see the Antlers afterwards, but the Pomegranates blew me away. I was like, oh my god, this band's awesome. They only put out, like, a couple or three records and then changed their name and after that, but I still listen to that first record that they put out all the time. But that was in the Channing Murray Chapel. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it's a great space. I think that's an underrated space, too, because it, was- it doesn't... It's not huge, but it sounds great in, in there. It sounds amazing. And yeah, we had never been in there before. And it's I think it's the perfect size to not have too much like mm-hmm. natural reverb that it has. Because we really didn't have to do much with the PA on that because that natural reverb is like so amazing. You know, you can't drink in there and there's nothing else to do. Right. Except you're there to watch the show. So the crowd's attentive and like we were both feeling like really personable and like sharing like good stories everything came together it was a great show i even messed up on the last song after i said i had gotten through the whole show without messing up by starting <laughs> i started tennessee on i put it on two instead of three and i don't i don't know what i was thinking and just started playing it and everyone's like i just started playing it and then matt came in with his guitar and i look over and i'm like what i'm like what what's wrong over there what are you doing and then carrie's like how's that capo and i was like look i'm like <laughs> no oh boy and we're like uh, okay we're gonna start this over like even though we had just like said we got through this without any mess ups but it was uh, like everyone laughed and it was it was fun that was man. there's been a lot of great shows around here though i guess everyone's kind of dying to know but maybe but mostly me how did the bashful youngins happen how did you and carrie realize that there was like that chemistry to write music and and create great songs she grew up in a town like 20 minutes from where i grew up it's about an hour hour and a half north of here and i grew up in forest and she grew up in pontiac our high schools were rivals was this the town that made a liar out of her pontiac yeah yeah sorry i i I so had to do that just because (laughs) (laughs) my hometown is so small that there was never any inspiration to write a a song about that town because it Good memories growing up, you know, being outside in the river fishing and all that stuff. And she's a couple years younger than me. One of my good friends in high school, to make this story even longer, so she she comes from a dirt racing, uh, stock car, dirt track race car family. Her dad did it, her brother does it. She raced go-karts when she was younger. Uh And one of the bigger tracks in the country, I think, is in Fairbury, which is where my high school was. Fairbury American Legion Speedway. I never got into the racing thing, so I I rarely went, but one of my friends was big into it. He had raced go-karts too, and and they dated, so that's how I knew of her, but I'd still never met her. I think she has a different story for when we met, but as I remember it, it was at somebody's party, somebody's house. Nothing came of it, like music, nothing was ever talked about, I don't think, but there was another party with mutual friends that she was at and I was at, and she was up stairs playing a ryan adams song 
I was like, oh, I know that song and I play guitar. I'm like, maybe I'll play guitar and you know, whatever. We'll just like jam on it. And so we started doing that. I wasn't singing at all at that point. Like I had never sung before. So I don't know how, how long after that she was like, hey, maybe we should like work on this and maybe start hitting up the open mic at Cowboy Monkey. And I was like, well, I don't sing. She's like, that's fine. We'll figure that out. And then, so I started singing. And when I started singing and she came in with like harmonies or vice versa, or not me because I, I had no idea how to do a harmony at that point but she was very well trained she'd been doing it her whole life but when that came in we're like oh like our voices sound pretty good together i think maybe we should like uh-huh. start learning these songs go to cowboy monkey get comfortable then start writing songs at this point had you moved to this area i went to parkland for a couple of years. So I lived here for two years, 2006 to 2008. And then I moved to Bloomington working at the radio station over there. So I, I lived in Bloomington for five years. Anytime we were doing stuff, I was coming down here. When we actually got serious about writing and started to record an album, I moved to Leroy to be in between hmm. work and here and lived there for two years. And then finally just made the move here in 2016. This is that question that's kind of crept in over the pandemic and but i like to come back to it over and over because i think that in the process of not having a live music scene for you know the year plus that the pandemic has brought upon us like i feel like it's very important that we reflect on one how important the live music scene is and how it's important that we have kind of a community as a question I like to say, what do you think makes a good music scene? To top that, what does Champaign-Urbana do well and what doesn't it do well? I guess what makes a good scene is inclusiveness, where everybody feels comfortable being themselves, playing what they wrote, taking their emotions or whatever and putting it out there and everyone being relatively accepting of that, which I think this town does very well. And then the, the spaces to do it. Cowboy Monkey's open mic, right. that was the place. You know, Mike and those guys are still doing it at NOLA's right now. NOLA's, and but now they're going to do a, a shift back and forth between NOLA's and Canopy, Canopy Club. And have like a um, jam, like full band and then yeah. kind of like, which is, I think it's pretty cool too. But I think that's been a huge part of this music scene is that open mic. That's where the community like builds of every generation of like bands or songwriters that are coming through. So they're already like, have the camaraderie you know you make friends and like that's how the scene kind of blossoms i think it's been pretty good there it was nice that we had those venues we could book at memphis on main we could book at cowboy monkey we could book at mm. high dive and now all of those are gone urban has kind of like stepped up and been like here's the rose bowl and you know nola's here's the next like incubator like for all of our musicians you know you think about a good venue as being someone that always brings in the best bands and always brings in the best crowds, you know, that kind of thing. But you, you bring a very good point up that these, these open mics is where you can maybe look forward to or see a person that nobody gets to see pop up every Monday night, share a little bit about what they write. You can look forward to seeing those people back every Monday or seeing new people crop up and yeah and you're seeing people being vulnerable you know i wrote this song like this morning and like Mm. here it is now and like i feel comfortable even though i'm gonna mess stuff up and maybe have to stop it like i still feel comfortable doing it because uh, of the people that are in the room and like 
people that are putting this on and there's no like intimidation because of that because you're like seeing everybody's vulnerabilities which is like makes the community a little bit closer i feel like as we've gotten like older a lot of those things have gone away the younger generation was coming through and but it started to feel like we were not on purpose or anything but like having distance between that uh, or we were feeling it and maybe that's just how it goes like we, you know we went through that whole i guess you would say like that cowboy monkey open mic night and what it is now is like the the research park of like the incubator everyone's getting their feet wet like and then they go off to like google or you know wherever right. else and like that's i guess and the worst analogy ever is kind of what i'm talking no, about no i like but. that i like that a lot cuz it it does represent that we're showing that the creative process the people that create the music are a resource are something that you know like any natural resource should be like treasured and i don't know and and we have to look at like how do we keep that sustainable how do we maintain those things but I think, you know, a lot of artists and musicians, if they're not already from here, they come here for that. I think it's been a pretty, like, well-documented scene to where people want to be a part of it in any given decade. Even in the midst of the current coronavirus pandemic, the Jubilee Cafe is continuing to serve packaged, home-cooked meals free to all every Monday evening. 5 to 6.30 p.m. Meals are available for pickup outside the 6th Street door to the Community United Church of Christ in Champaign, Illinois, 805 South 6th Street. Jubilee Cafe's mission remains the same. Feed hungry people by cooking healthy and delicious meals. We are open to anyone who cares to receive a meal. For information on the meal or how to volunteer, go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email us at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So, Aaron, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? Three that come to mind. I love outdoors, so I like hiking, traveling to places. Like I was saying, um, went on that road trip over the summer. We went to eight, eight national parks in eight days. That was a lot of fun to see all that stuff and be out, even though it was a terrible heat wave. I think it was like 110 degrees every, we picked June to go to the desert. But it was a lot of fun, and I'm I, every weekend I'm out doing something. Like yesterday we went to uh, the Portland Arch Nature Preserve in Covington, Indiana. I love college football. I'll watch any college football game. I don't care who's playing, and I will enjoy every second of it. And space. I listen to good, good space podcasts, science fiction movies, old NASA stories. No, I'm infatuated I with space. I'd really love to go. Everyone's mad at the billionaires for building the, the spaceships and rockets, but I'm like, if that can get me to space for like 10 grand, I might be okay with that. <laughs> right? I think a lot about just planetary bodies and like the idea of how it's just infinite and like even 
the closest star even if you were traveling light speed it would it still be years and years and years it disappoints me that it is switched from like kind of the government funded nasa to more like private yeah it it is that is weird i agree with that i just feel like when you switch it to private they're they're less interested in the research that can be done yeah and it's more how to capitalize on what they're doing but it, weirdly enough, you know, but it, it's still the government funding SpaceX with a couple billion dollars to do what they were doing. Yeah, it doesn't have the same, like, sheen that, like, the, you know, 60s NASA. So going back to your second thing, the uh, college football, like, um, like you don't have a favorite or it's just... Oh, like- no, I do. Um, my, so my, what was it? My grandpa's brothers had notre dame football season tickets and so obviously they're all notre dame fans we all just Mm. like grew up rooting for that team i remember saving my mowing money to buy my first ticket when i was 13 to go to go to a game i i used to be like to put it delicately a too overzealous of a fan of that to where it would like uh and you can ask carrie when she's in here too or not because <laughs> no need to talk about it but if they lost like a game that i was really invested in like it would ruin my night like oh. i would be like just like somber like grumpy boy sitting in the corner like i'm glad i got out of that stage like that was like my teens like late teens and i can still root for them it's a university that I am not affiliated with. Like I have nothing to do. Like I don't owe them anything. Like they don't owe me anything. Like they're just kids playing football and it's fun to watch. And if they win, great. I'm excited. If they lose, I understand (laughs) that happens too. And then I I feel like I'm doing this the backwards way, but (laughs) going back to your like first thing of, of nature and, and experiencing like, um, do you have a, a favorite local nature spot around here? Well, the one we definitely go to the most is uh, Kickapoo. Kind of know that place, every corner of that place at this point. It's hard to go out there in certain areas at this time of the year because that's when hunters are out. You're walking through and then all of a sudden like, oh, there's a guy in the tree. Now he's probably mad that you've walked through and like, you know, your scent's everywhere and the deer's not going to come here. And it's really weird. Yeah, Kickapoo is a great place. It's a half hour away and... There's a lot to do there. We kayak and morel mushroom hunt every spring. I've never just kind of accidentally seen a morel mushroom. I haven't you know? either. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I haven't you accidentally have to look. Yeah. Yeah. April like is the best month that you're gonna. And there's still leaves on the ground, and you know they're brown, so they blend in pretty well. But um, it's exciting once you find like one there's going to be more and then all of a sudden you see like this whole mess of mushrooms and they taste great mm. i actually ate way too many of them last year almost made me sick to where like i didn't even want to see another mushroom for like a couple months so <laughs> is is it at this point that only morale mushrooms look that way yeah. or are there other ones that can be a um, deceit- deceitful uh poisonous <laughs> There's some that are like, yeah, the fake morels, but you can pretty easily tell because of underneath, they're not connected, whereas a morel is. But I've only seen one of those. You can even tell on like the head of the mushroom that it's not 
I'm not an expert at all on mushrooms. Like right. I look for, it's fun to look for them and I don't usually come across, I have once and it was easy to like pick it out right then that it mm. wasn't a morel, but otherwise they all just kind of. But I would, I would say like as a disclaimer for anybody that's listening, like even if you know what they look like, it's probably advisable to go oh, yeah. with somebody who's done it before. So, you they, know, just a little disclaimer. They have apps too now that'll identify yeah you can you just take a picture of it and it'll identify it right wow. then and there so what a time we live in i know <laughs> what was your favorite park that you visited during your journey through the national parks this so, summer or was that this summer or last yeah summer? It, was, it was in oh, june okay. um so we went to uh the uh great dunes great sand dunes in colorado uh black canyon of the gunderson in colorado then we went to arches Canyonlands and Zion and then Grand Canyon and the Petrified Forest. Mm. I think one of the better experiences we had because we camped at every one of those was outside of Arches. We were just going there and talking to park rangers and being like, where can we camp? And they'd be like, sorry, the park's full. You can't camp in here. And that was the case for Arches. And they're like, but just go like take this road and like you'll find like um blm like bureau of land management yeah. spots all up and down the river huh. and we're like the river okay cool and so we'd start driving and yeah it's the colorado river beautiful red rocks and we find this campsite that has its like own private beach area on the colorado river like oh. with the red rocks on all like it was so gorgeous like unbelievable and I think that was one of the best moments because we weren't sure. It was kind of like, where are we going to camp? And they're like, oh, this is the greatest camping spot I've ever been to. Uh-huh. And then Zion. <clears throat> Zion is a gorgeous place. Obviously, that's why um, yeah. they called it Zion because they thought it was heaven when they um, stumbled upon it. But but that's, wow. And yeah. the, the Grand Canyon like, is like incredible yeah. as well, but. Yeah, honestly, like the Grand Canyon's the only one that I've been to out of those. How does this thing exist? How does it, how is something this beautiful exist and, or mysterious or however you want to like frame that? It's funny you bring that up because while those two are like kind of like the experiences that stick out there, I had a favorite one at every place we went to, like the Black Canyon of the Gunderson, like that's a gorgeous area too. We camped so close to the edge of the canyon that we, like at night, we like grabbed a beer and like a joint and like walked out to the edge and just like sat there and like looked up. It was awesome. I remember going to the Grand Canyon and being like wow like that this exists is incredible everyone's like has this like spiritual like experience there all i could think was like man this is millions and millions and millions of years of water and pressure and air and sand and that's amazing that this is what has come of it (laughs) it's almost as if the the biggest miracle that happens in this world is just time yeah right that time can has existed, you know, that, you know, us as humans have existed for what could only be considered less than a blip. If this was a calendar year, we are December 31st, 11.59 p.m. Aaron, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate you coming out and chatting with me about your song, Tennessee. Yeah. It's, 
been a pleasure to be able to talk to you and hear about your favorite venue and and your favorite place to play and also you know what can make a better music scene what makes a good music scene and then your favorite non-musical things so thank you so much for coming out yeah thanks for having me this was fun you have a great space i appreciate you making me cookies (laughs) sure and for all the amenities that you have laid out it's a very very gracious thing you have done and be happy to do it anytime Hey, thanks for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. My name's Aaron Short reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live. creating the name it was like we want something to be we want the something something that's a wrap you almost have an npr voice it's so good savings daylight savings time yes. Because you're, it's the savings yeah, every you're... day. <laughs>